Gentlemen, we're in a series called Love Does. And I've labored over this message a bit because it's a message that I actually still need to grow in. And so, even as I'm preaching and teaching on it, I feel the Holy Spirit <laughs> working in my own heart as I'm doing it. And that's one of the joys of being a pastor at times is you get to preach and teach on things that you need to grow in yourself. And I want you to hear this love. It, we have a cultural expression of love and that love is simply how you feel in a given moment. But God commands us in scripture to love one another. And if it is a commandment and it's something that he expects of us, it cannot simply be something that you feel on a given day, on a given Sunday, on a given day of the week. It's got to be something that you're able to make a choice about. Love does. And so for the past several weeks, we've been talking about some of the things that love should do. Anybody remember what week one was? Love celebrates like a boss. I don't know who said it, but yes. Love celebrates. When we see scripture, we see Jesus loving people so much and time and time and time again what is he doing he is celebrating with those that he loves it's amazing how the god of scripture we see a god of celebration from beginning to end and yet sometimes as a church what is it that we struggle with the most it's just having fun being able to celebrate and to believe the best and to cheer each other on celebrate each other. Heather Allen, our guest from our, our church in Orlando, Florida with Every Nation, our High Point Church there, she came last week and she shared her story about sacrifice and what does love do? Love sacrifices. Love lays down one's life for the sake of another. She's got a powerful story and if you, I'm not going to tell it here, but if, if, you, if you're so inclined, listen to the podcast. But today we're, we're heading into some new territory with, with what love does. Raise your hand if you watched the royal wedding of any kind yesterday. Okay, I actually watched some of the royal wedding. Now, I did not get up at 5.30 like some. I know some of y'all did. You were committed. But when we got up, we had the royal wedding on. And, and to be fair, to be honest, I was really impressed. And I began thinking about my own wedding. And I mean, I was taking tips. I was thinking, man, I kind of wish I could go back and get married again because that carriage, pulling them after, I mean, that was pretty boss, right? It was impressive. Obviously, they're royalty. But anytime you can, you can get a royal wedding in a cathedral and you've got a choir singing some Stevie Wonder, I mean, come on, that was amazing, but what is it that weddings do? Weddings are, are supposed to be a public demonstration of one another's love for each other. And we celebrate, we honor, we sacrifice. There's a perfect picture even of the series that we're in, of, of all the things that we should begin moving towards or growing towards or desiring to become more like. When I was, if your first time, if this is your first time here, I, I grew up in St. Louis. And I'm a big St. Louis fan, a St. Louis Cardinals fan. I know that, I know we've got a lot of this happen already. There's boo birds here today. That's fine. It's fine. I can take it. I can take it. Well, when I turned 16, 
I was one of those weird kids that had a cool car when they turned 16. And it wasn't because we were wealthy. It was because my dad had a client and a sweet car was sitting in his garage. And for $2,000, it could be mine. It was a 1987 black Camaro. V8, stick shift, louvers on the back. For a 16-year-old, this was a dream. I walked out to the driveway. Is this for me? I couldn't even believe it. Didn't even know how to drive a stick, but you better believe I learned. And I had a best friend in high school, and his name was Tim Wrinkle. Okay? I know. His last name is Wrinkle. And he lived about 15 minutes from my house. And wherever you found Tim, you generally found me. And wherever you found me, you generally found Tim. We were, we, we were together all the time. And on one such day after school, I was driving to his house, and there's this long stretch of road. I'm in my Camaro, and fifth gear just felt so good. I slid it right up, pushed that pedal down, and I was hauling to my man's house. I pulled into the driveway. Before I know it, I'm inside hanging out with Tim. And then Tim's dad got home like five minutes after me. And he says, where's, where's Andy? I, I'd like to have a little conversation with him. Oh, here I am, Mr. Wrinkle. What, what, what's going on? Let me, can I just talk to you outside for a second? I, I know you, Andy. I know your family. And I know your car. <laughs> and I want you to know I was disappointed, Andy and the way that I just saw you driving it. This is what he said, and I quote, because it has never forgotten me. He's really tall. He leaned in and he said, Andy, you're driving way too fast, and I want you to know that you're better than this. Well, I'm, you know, I'm 16 years old. That's what 16-year-olds do, right? Except... Here's a man that I deeply respected. What was he doing? He was calling me up because I was driving, to be fair, like an idiot. And if you have children that have just gotten a license and they have a sports car, they might have a tendency to drive a little fast and you might need a moment where you call them up to be a little bit smarter and a little bit wiser. But what was this gentleman doing? Went to our church close friends with our family, he was challenging me to live a different way. He was challenging me to live a better way, a wiser way, a greater stewardship of the people and literally the lives around me. And so what did he do? He called me up because love does something. Love sacrifices, love celebrates. But you know what something else love does is that love challenges and these are two things that we, in 2018, do not like to put together. I mean, at all costs, love should make me feel a very certain and particular way. And if it doesn't feel that way, not only is it not love, nowadays it's coined as hatred. You either Love me and make me feel this way, or the only other option is that you hate me. And I want you to know, church, while this might be a challenging message, do you like that? 
We have to be the kind of people that we see in Scripture, that we see Jesus being, where we are willing to look at each other in the eyes and call the best out of one another. Think about all the things that you do willingly to pose a challenge to yourself. We read books, and those books are generally, they're challenging. We read leadership books. Leadership books sell by the thousands a day, probably more than that, because people like to read and be challenged to become better. We listen to podcasts. Anyone here listen to podcasts to help develop them or form them or shape them? What are you doing? You're, you're purposely putting yourself in an environment where you're going to be challenged. We watch TV shows and movies, and there are times where I walk away and I say, man, that was good good and man that was that's challenging me it's making me think it's making me wrestle and I want to begin this morning talking about how your love should challenge not only yourself the Holy Spirit should be challenging you but the way that you love people it shouldn't feel abrasive and it shouldn't feel like sandpaper but someone that really loves someone else is willing to stick their neck out and call the best up and out of someone. Father, be with us as as we're getting into this message this morning. God, help us to grow in this area. If we're too heavy and hard in this area, help us to lighten up. If we're too passive or shy in this area, help us to become more bold. God, help us to love like you love. Amen. When is the last time you challenged someone to think about their faith? When's the last time? Think about it for a minute. When is the last time your life or your words caused someone to have pause? When's the last time you challenged someone to live differently for Jesus? See, your life can can create a challenge in, in the sense of what do I actually believe? And then there are those who have already put their faith in Jesus, and your life might actually not change what they believe, but it might change how they believe it, how they put it into practice, how they live for Jesus. When is the last time your life ever created a good and healthy challenge for someone? Paul writes this in Ephesians 4, verse 1. He's writing to the whole church of Ephesus. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then he begins to set out, he lists all these things for these Christians to stop doing. Stop living this way. I'm challenging you, I'm urging you to live a certain way. Why? Because God has called you, and he's called you to greatness, and this is not that. And I'm urging you, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. I love that. I remember one time I I used to raise support I raise it still a little bit, but not as much as I used to when I was a campus minister. 
And so when you're a campus minister and you're raising money to do campus ministry, that means you're going to be in homes a lot talking to families that maybe you don't know super well. And I was at, I was at a, a home of a couple that I was just meeting, and they had a small child. He was probably five years old. And he was very bashful around me. And he was shy. And while this isn't purely a challenge, I want you to you get at the heart of this. I remember this moment where he was just, you know, he's hiding behind mom, and, you know, he'd stick his head out. And one, at one point, I looked at him, and I said, hey, Billy. Can I see their, your muscles? You know, and all of a sudden, you know, what was bashful? You know what? Yeah, I guess I can show you that. Because I'm big and tough. Man, Billy, you are so strong. How did you get such big muscles? Can you, can you, you know, give, give me one of these. Show me your flex. Show me this. And all of a sudden... This child who's hiding behind, you know, mom, you know, doing one of this is Mr. just, you know, Mr. Olympian, right? And, and, and is just coming alive. And, you know, it, was it a pure challenge of, of live different? No, but my, my point is when you call greatness up and out, it's amazing what happens in the course of the relationship. We talk about challenge, and challenge for us, it feels threatening, it feels like a terrible thing. But I promise you, when we can live our lives in such a way where we're graciously, mercifully, and kindly calling what's beautiful out of people, we'll see the church grow into the fullest measure of who we're supposed to be. Why does Paul care so much, church? Why is he writing this letter to Ephesus? The same reason that I'm talking to you today. Because he loves this church. He loves these people and he longs to see them leave behind what is untrue, to leave behind what is a lie, and to leave behind what is causing them unnecessary pain so they can experience the freedom that's only found in Jesus. How do people experience that? Oftentimes, it comes with love but at some point, also a word that causes you to pause and to stop and to think and to reevaluate, to pray. In other words, somebody says something to you that's challenging. And you've got to think about it. We need to grow and become people who love like that. In case I'm drifting into territory that's uncomfortable for you, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. I want to say this to you because I want us to grow in our willingness and ability to challenge each other in grace and in love. But for some of us, we've been hurt by a, by a word from a pastor. We've been hurt by somebody that we love. We've been hurt by the way and manner in which somebody has spoken to us. And so even as I'm talking about such things, it's filtered through personal pain. And I hear that. I'm not dismissing that. So here's what I'm doing today. I want to talk about us growing in love and our willingness to graciously and lovingly challenge each other and even our community. But here are the guardrails in which we do it. 
1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I've got the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains but don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Well, what is love? Here's what it is. It's patient. It's kind. It doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It always protects always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I'm growing in that. In loving people like that. Chances are you are too. But that's one side of this, that we would love like that with patience, with gentleness, that we would love with perseverance. Okay? Proverbs 29, 22 says this, though, that an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. I've been a hot-tempered person before. I've been a person who runs into conflict, throws himself into it. <laughs> True story. Don't like that. And I have to guard my heart on that because here's what Proverbs 26 17 says like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel not their own so when we speak of challenge there are people here that are sitting in seats that are thinking oh yeah baby it's about time you know there's some people who really need to have it who I need to give it to that I need to have a talk to well understand something that if you are hankering for conflict then your heart is not in the right place you're like a person who grabs a stray dog by the ears. You ever grabbed a stray dog by the ears? I haven't, because only dumb people do that. Okay? Don't do that. Okay? Dracking with me this morning. Christians never have permission to be rude or unkind. We never have permission to be instigators. We never have permission to be ugly on Facebook. I'm talking about this, or Instagram, or whatever, Snapchat, I don't care. Whatever social channel you use. Christians never have permission. It doesn't matter how angry that you've been made. You don't get permission to be rude or unkind. That's a hard lesson for us. How many of you... Maybe it's been you, it's been me before, where you get into a tangle on social media and it drifts into territory that's just no longer righteous. And all of a sudden there's character assassinations and, you know, keyboard terrorists and all the things that happen. You know what I'm talking about? God has called us to graciously and lovingly be the kind of people who are willing to challenge one another. But that doesn't mean that now you have license to be unkind or to demonstrate a lack of patience or a lack of perseverance or that somehow you have permission to be rude. You do not. 
And when you do, you discredit Jesus and the Holy Spirit working in your life. So this morning, the time I have, I'm gonna, uh, I've drifted into territory for this series that is very practical for us. Love does, which should imply that there's going to be a set of actions, right? And so this morning, I'm giving you four ways for you to challenge the people around you. Excuse me, four ways to love like Jesus and challenge your relationships to follow him. Say that one more time. Four ways for you to follow Jesus. Excuse me. <laughs> Love like Jesus and challenge your relationships to follow him. This is what we're after. I want to follow Jesus better. You know how oftentimes I follow Jesus better is by somebody helping me do it. But then I get to in turn help someone else do it. And so here are four ways. And they are probably going to be, on some measure, challenging. Isn't that beautiful how that all works out? Number one, we must aim to love rather than aim to be liked. Many of us are aiming to be liked rather than aiming to love like Jesus loved. And when we aim to be liked, guess what never happens? We never have a moment with the relationships that we've been building with, that we've been laying our lives on, we never get to a place where we're able to speak about the honest truth of who Jesus is. We never get there. If we aim to be liked, then the bar continually is moving for what it means to have relationship for Christ, with Christ. Because the last thing I ever want to do is possibly hurt someone's feelings or have them walk away. You need to understand that Jesus loved people fiercely and he was also completely unafraid of people walking away and leaving him. And I will say this, and it is a bold thing to say, but I'm going to be bold with you this morning. If your love for people and your commitment to love like Jesus has never cost you a relationship, then this is probably an area where you need to grow in. Because I promise you that as we're building friendships with people who don't know Jesus, or you're building friendships with people in the church who want to just serve God a certain way, and your life begins to challenge them, People don't like that. And they generally respond one of two ways. Get away or would you help me? There's rarely any middle ground on it. And I'm not inviting you this morning to drive relationships away far from it. But there is a cost of loving like Jesus loved. Check this out in Mark 10. Verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. I love that question. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud, honor your, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. 
Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And back that up. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Jesus loved this young man. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, there's, there's so much to unpack in this passage, and I'm not even going to unpack any of it. I'm just demonstrating to you this idea that Jesus was really great at loving people, building relationships with people, and then calling him to follow him. Go and sell everything you have. I can't even imagine a greater challenge in 2018 for our culture. Go give up everything that you have. Come back, and then we'll talk. This guy was obedient. He'd grown up in the synagogue. He'd gone to church. I mean, come on now. This is a guy you're looking at, at, at grooming for pastoral ministry. This is a guy that's on his track. To, you know, the, He's going to be the elder of a church one day. Think about it. If that guy walked into a church nowadays, he, he would probably be leading a life group within a couple weeks. Right? I mean, come on. This guy's exemplary character. And Jesus steps up to the table. I don't know sometimes if Jesus would even be invited onto today's ministry teams. This is hardcore. I'm not suggesting you go tell anybody this, by the way. Oh, you want to follow Jesus? Well, you need to go sell your house and everything you have. Then we'll talk. Then I'll invite you to church. No, probably not the best route. But you need to see that this is our Lord and Savior, who is the perfect demonstration of mercy and kindness and gentleness. Even in this moment, he isn't angry, he isn't hard-hearted, he isn't heavy-handed. Yet he offers a challenge that this man walks away from sad. And there are people that will inherently walk away from you and relationship with you. And I have good news and bad news. Number one, it's okay. But number two, we need to live the kind of life that honors God enough to where our life literally is a challenge to the people around us. Does that make sense, church? You guys with me today? You tracking with me? Your life should challenge the people around you in a good way, in a loving way, in a gracious way. I'll keep going on this because uh, Dr. Greg Ogden, he's an author, he's a professor at Fuller Seminary. He says it like this, that discipleship is an intentional relationship in which we walk alongside other believers in order to encourage, equip, and challenge them in love to grow towards maturity in Christ. To challenge in love, meaning we should be able to look at each other inside these four walls and spur one another on to greater faith. And sometimes that means having conversations about, hey, your mouth, your attitude, 
You complain. There's bitterness. You're heavy-handed. You're angry. You got a bad attitude. I don't know. But to be kind with one another and to challenge one another in love, to be able to say, hey, hey, how are you doing? You doing okay? Because I, I kind of noticed this. You know, first off, let me just ask how you're doing. Let me pray for you. But secondly, hey, there's a, there's a better way here. There's a different way than how you're living. We can, you can do this different. God has something better for you than this. That's a hard conversation. But when we look at the early church, they are willing to have it. All right, I'm going over time here, I can tell already. I love this quote. Popular opinion will continue to cast Christian ethics as outdated and in direct opposition to the development of the American self. The number of those who share our convictions may continue to dwindle, and that is okay. Jesus was never interested in societal acceptance, and we should not be either. I don't like that. I want to be friends with everyone. And I want you to hear this. We should be friends of sinners, just like Jesus was. But Jesus was also amazing at looking at those friends and telling them at some point in the relationship to go and sin no more. We've got to grow in that. Number two, be bold in who you are in Jesus. Proverbs 28, 1 says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. One of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, the righteous are as bold as a lion. Actions speak louder than words, but actions lack context without words. We have paved the way in America with what we call relational evangelism. And I want you to know that as a, as a cultural, you know, theological test on the fruit of relationship evangelism, while people have developed great friendships, what it has not done has helped people actually step, from a statistical standpoint, further into relationship with Jesus, by and large. Obviously, there are plenty who have. But most people need someone willing to speak to them. Most people need a conversation at some point. I'm not suggesting not laying your life down for the sake of a friendship or a relationship. I am. But at some point in that relationship, you also have to have the courage to speak. Because your actions, while amazing and cheery, And wow, isn't that person great? It lacks context for why you are the way you are without words. Be bold. 
There was a guy on, on Craigslist this two weeks ago. I meant to bring the picture for you. I'm looking for stuff for, I've uh, got some exercise equipment I'm looking for and, you know, different things I'm searching on Craigslist for all the time right now. Dining table, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> you don't need to, like, bring me yours in case you think that was a passive way of getting, like, a free dining room table. It's not. But there was a guy on it. It's clear as day. And he was offering his services. And you know this is on the rise, by the way. And he said, I've recently made a pact with the demon Azazel. I'm dead serious. I've learned a lot. My friends and I have learned a lot. And if anybody would like access to the information I've received from this pact I've created with the demon Azazel, let me know. I'd love to get together for coffee and talk to you about it. This is on Craigslist. Okay? Now, a good friend of mine who's one of the leaders right now in the Midwest, civil rights, his name is Jonathan Thomas. There were a group of people literally robed and clothed in the, in the Capitol House there in Missouri who were vying for a bill, and they were without question openly owning satanic uh, allegiance. This is on the rise in the United States, in case you're wondering. And I looked at this, I took a screenshot of it, and was like, man, this guy's bold. I cannot believe that. And I walked away from my computer. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, God, what am I supposed to do about it? Well, do you have the answer for this gentleman or not? So I replied. I said, hi, thank you for your post. I said, I, I realize you've made a pact with the demon Azazel and that it has benefited you. But if you would like to get together with a coffee for me, I have some truth that will set you free from that pact with Azazel that I think will better your relationship. That was it. Andy. He replied. He said, man, thank you so much for reaching out. I'm not interested. I was like, okay. <sighs> Lord, I did what you wanted me to do. I stuck my neck out there. That's what somebody didn't even know. That was easy. It was weird more than was anything. But understand, when I talk about you being bold, it's you understanding who you are in Jesus. And if, Jesus, if he hasn't saved your heart and you don't have the hope for the world, then what do you have? And when people are broken and hurting and in need, and we are keeping this to ourselves because of fear of rejection or the fear of man, then we are doing a disservice to our city, our community, and the people who desperately need to know Jesus. You guys with me? Number three, this is where I'm, I, I have to grow in asking questions. 
You want to love people well, and you want to love in a way that challenges other people well. Guess what we get to grow in then? You need to become a great listener and a great question asker. Amy is masterful at this, my wife. She had a friend over to the house just the other day this past week, and this she doesn't know what we do for a living. She doesn't know. And she went off on church. <laughs> Specifically churches that have a band. An electric guitar. Churches that raise their hands. All right. And Amy's just sitting there drinking her coffee. And her friend is talking about her other friend who started going to this church, and now her life is totally changed, and all she wants to do is go to this church. And the friend that was in her house is just saying how weird that is. And Amy just looked at her, and she said, over coffee, what? Why do you think that is? Why do you think that your friend is so excited about this church? Well, blah, 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 blah. Well, why do you think that is? Why, why does it bother you so much? Why, how, what? And it doesn't take too long for the heart to open up And the reason for why people are acting, believing, not trusting, not sure, unclear, it opens up good questions and a willingness to listen. It's amazing how your life will challenge them to think differently. It is a challenge to pause and reflect and to actually postulate an answer for why you believe something. And the reality is most people don't know why they believe what they believe. And now you have an opportunity to lovingly challenge them to believe something different. And then lastly, I'm going to close with this. Is that when we love with challenge, when we allow our life to be challenging, uncompromising. We should be the kind of people who are rooted and grounded in prayer at all times. Let's be prayerful. First Timothy, or Thessalonians, excuse me, uh, chapter 5, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. See, if we're going to challenge our relationships to follow Jesus, if there's ever going to be the Holy Spirit knocking on the door and and conviction to set place, if you're going to have the right attitude and the right heart and the right mindset, you know what you need to be doing? You need to be intentionally praying for the people in your life. You need to be praying for the people that you're sitting next to at church. You need to be praying for the people that you're in life group with and small group with. God, I'm praying for this person. Would you open their eyes? God, would you help me to be the kind of friend that they need? Lord, I don't know how to speak to them about this, but God, would you open up a door? Would you, would you create an opportunity for conversation to take place? We're prayerful. I mean crazy intentional about how we pray. 
Otherwise, you can be abrasive. You can force your way into a scenario that you don't need to be in. But when God is leading the way and you are prayerful for the people that God has put in your life and truly have an intent for God to use you in their life, it's amazing how your literal the actions and the words will challenge people the right way. And now it's something as simple as somebody's over at your house for a cookout. You're grilling, you're barbecuing, and you're laughing about shows. Something as simple as you not watching a show and they're wondering why. And all of a sudden, the door opens to talk about what God has done in your life. And why you make the decisions that you make. See, God has called us to love and to love in such a way that we challenge the people around us inside the church and outside the church. It's gracious. It should be kind and gentle, patient, joyful, hopeful. But it's still a challenge nonetheless. Amen? Father, be with us this morning. God, as we aim to to love, not just to be liked, as we aim, God, to be the kind of people who are bold with who you are and what you've done inside of us. God, we're asking that you would help us, uh, Lord, be the kind of people who listen first and ask questions, that we'd be slow to speak. God, I pray that we would be the kind of people who are willing to get on our knees regularly and be praying for the people that you've placed in our lives, that we would pray for bosses, that we would pray for coworkers, that we'd pray for the neighbors across the street, that we'd be praying for our church, we'd be praying for the people in our life group. God, that we would be men and women of prayer. Believing the best in one another. God, this is our hope, and this is our prayer. Help us to love. Help us to love in celebration. Help us to love in sacrifice. And help us to love in willingness to challenge those who we are walking with. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray, amen.